0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Trying to Conceive podcast. This is an inclusive place for anybody in the process of family planning. So whether you've been trying to conceive for one month or 10 years, planning to adopt, identify as male, female, or non-binary, whatever the case may be, if you're trying to start your family, then this is the right place for you. Today, we are interviewing with an amazing woman who has two children, and she's going to share about both of her pregnancies, and I hope that you enjoy. So to start us off, how many kids do you have and how old are they?
1: I have two children. Um, I have a three and a half year old little girl named Lorelai and a nine month old boy named Andy. Were you trying to get pregnant
0: or were these happy surprises?
1: It was a little bit of both. Um, We had sort of decided, you know, we're okay with getting pregnant. You know, I think something that a lot of people say is we were trying without trying kind of things like that. And I think that just sort of means like they aren't necessarily stressing about getting pregnant, but they wouldn't be upset if they got pregnant either. So they're just sort of having sex without protection and just sort of seeing what happens. Because I think a lot of times when I think a lot of people just don't really know how long it might take Um, you know, it could be the very first try, and it could be a couple of months, or it could be a couple of years, or you might find out that you aren't ever able to have children. So I think everybody is just sort of, you know, everybody who says that kind of thing is just sort of trying to just say, okay, well, we feel like we're, we're sort of at that place. And we feel like it'll take a couple of months. But if it happens sooner, then we're good with that, too.
0: Yeah, I know. It's such a risk. And I remember my husband and I, when we We're just dating. We were so careful and we never let anything get past anywhere it shouldn't be. And then when we got engaged, we were kind of more lax about it. We were like, all right, well, if it happens, we're getting married anyway. So we were kind of like not tracking cycles at all, not trying to get pregnant at all, but also like
1: there was the possibility that it could happen. So I feel you on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was kind of how... How mine happened too, where, you know, we had been, you know, we had just gotten, we had, we had a a private ceremony and then had a big party about 18 months later. And it was just a couple of months after the big party that we decided, okay, we're going to stop using condoms and, you know, be okay with whatever happens. And we actually ended up getting pregnant that very month. Um, and then when the time rolled around to have the conversation again about baby number two, it pretty much happened the same way. So it was sort of one of those things where it was like, all right, we are cool with getting pregnant. And then by, like, by that time, the strip had already turned blue. Like it was, it was really fast for us.
0: Wow. That's exciting. Were you tracking your cycles at all or were you just kind of going with the flow?
1: I was just kind of going with the flow. I've always had a really regular cycle. So for me, I just kind of had a ballpark of, okay, I'm probably fertile around the middle of the month because my cycle tends to run almost on calendar month. You know, it was just sort of one of those things where it was like, okay, we'll try to have sex around this time of the month. And, you know, if it works out, it works out. And uh, it was actually really funny because. At the time, with both of them, I was going through some mental health issues, so our sex life wasn't terribly active, so I could almost actually pinpoint the exact date that we actually, you know, had sex that can, you know, that resulted in a child, so it was was kind of funny for us.
0: I like hearing stories like that because I'm kind of a spiritual person and I believe that there's like a soul that's waiting to come and be with your family. And when I hear stories like that, when there was really only one opportunity, I'm like, look at that guy. Like he
1: snuck in there. He took his small window and he, he did it. Absolutely. You know, I feel like, you know, when we found out we were having my daughter, I had actually just lost my job. And like, literally I got let go on a Tuesday, found out on a Sunday that I like the next Sunday that I was pregnant. And it was definitely a a scary moment because it was like, okay, I don't really know, you know, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to afford this? Am I going to be able to job hunt while I'm pregnant? How much do I have to say and share with potential employers? Because, you know, I mean, even though it's, illegal to actually ask you know a, a you know a job applicant if they're pregnant those kinds of things they still happen and it's so hard to protect yourself as a woman and as a mother from you know being the center or focus of discrimination based on the fact that you know you're going to need to take some leave you know within the next calendar year and i think that a really hard place to navigate so you know it was unfortunate timing at the moment but you know luckily it all worked out and I can't imagine having you know anyone else but my two children they're just so perfectly designed for our family and for us as parents um, and they're just they're just wonderful people
0: I want to come back to the work question in a couple of minutes but first can I ask you a couple more logistical things Absolutely. Okay. So how old were you when you
1: first started trying? Um, so I think I was 25 or 26. Um, I'm trying to do backwards math in my head because my daughter will be four in November and I just turned 30 last September. So yeah, I guess it was like 26.
0: Okay. And then how old were you with your second child?
1: Uh, I was 29, so I actually had my son um, like two months, yeah, two months before my 30th birthday.
0: Okay. And how did you find out that you were pregnant
1: with both of them? Well, we um, we had kind of known that it was a possibility with both. Um, with my daughter, I had sort of a couple weeks later done backwards math and said, Oh, wait, that's actually, that would have worked out. And so I realized that about a week later, I would have gotten my period and could test. So, you know, a week later, I woke up and took a test. And it was, it was positive. And then with my son, we were actively trying um, in terms of like, if we're going to do it, you know, we know that it's going to happen, you know, by this time. And so we had taken a couple of tests. The first ones were negative or really, really faint positive, And I just sort of kept testing because we were finding out right before Thanksgiving. And I really wanted to tell our families, you know, for the holiday. So um, yeah, just basic over-the-counter tests. If anybody's needing to, to get a test, dollar store tests are always the best ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can second that. I like dollar stores and i like they have like 88 cent tests at walmart which are really cheap and they give you the same result as those
1: 10 or 12 dollar ones
0: so how did you tell your partner that you were pregnant
1: so the first one was actually pretty funny because you know we really didn't expect to get pregnant that quickly so I had, without really talking to him about it, I had woken up early and went to the bathroom to go test and was just so shocked that I I walked into our room and I made him get out of bed and I was just like, go in the bathroom. Like, look, And he's like, what is going on with you? And then he saw it. And so it was kind of, um, it was, it was pretty funny. And then with the second one, you know, we just sort of were there together, we were looking at it and waiting for the result. And so we we got to see it at the same time with him. It was really fun, because, you know, I think you sort of go through a whole phase in your life, especially if you've been with your partner for a long time, like, like we have been, we've been together, it'll be 12 years in October. And so we dated all through college. And like you said, you know, before you are getting married and stuff, you do everything you can to, you know, try to not get pregnant. So then to kind of Make that transition with that person into oh my gosh, we can't be pregnant, this would be really bad timing, blah blah blah. And then going all the way to we're so excited, we really hope we're pregnant this month. You know, that's it's kind of a fun transition to make, I think.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of just crazy, like how our society works because it's like for so much of your life, it's like don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. And then all of a sudden, it's like you better get pregnant, you better get pregnant, you better get pregnant. And if you're not in that like small acceptable window, it just it's exciting, but it's also like fear provoking in a sense on both ends of the spectrum, on the pre acceptable time and on the post
1: acceptable time. It really is, and I think that you know I, I hope it's okay to go down this rabbit hole, but I really think that that delves into a lot of issues that society has with sort of just determining what a woman you know brings to the table like what her value is to society and what her worth is and how she should handle her body and her sexual decisions and you know for there to only be this very small window in which quote unquote acceptable to everyone else for a woman to have a baby and then like you said expected to have a baby um i, I find that really frustrating you know i always knew I was going to be a mom. I really wanted to be a mom from the time I was little. I'm a very, you know, sort of giving and loving person. If you follow an enneagram, I am a hard two. But, you know, I have a lot of friends who don't want children, have never wanted children, and, you know, they tell me all the time how much they hear That, oh, just wait, you'll want them one day or you're going to change your mind or you're going to feel like you missed out on something. And I think that's really frustrating. You know, I think women can be amazing, powerful people with or without children. And I don't think that women who don't want to or can't have children aren't capable of the same level of amazing things as women who become mothers. I I always really feel for people in that situation because you never know what somebody's going through. You never know if somebody doesn't want children now because, you know, maybe they found out that they can't have children or maybe they just don't want children because, you know, they, they feel like they have other things that they want to do with their lives. And I think we as a society need to learn to be a lot more respectful of that because, you know, motherhood is not the only thing that women provide to our society. And I think when we continue to have those conversations, we just perpetuate that idea.
0: Absolutely. I want to just like give a amen to everything you just said. Absolutely. 100% agree with every word you just
1: said. (laughs) Well, thank you. And I do want to say, you know, actually, it's not just women, I think that are um, faced with this problem because, you know, I have, I have a friend who is transgender and he had a child before he made his transition. And, you know, he still struggles with all of these same things. He struggles with all of the, um, worries and fears that all of us do. And I think it's important to include them in this conversation as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that Into this conversation, I think that that's very important, and I appreciate you bringing that up. I'm gonna change gears a little bit. I want to talk about your pregnancies. Are cravings
1: a real thing? Um, yes. I think. uh, I think it's different for everybody. You know, a lot of people have you know I, you always hear especially in movies and stuff like oh you're gonna crave pickles or you're gonna crave really weird combinations of things or you crave really unhealthy foods I think I was a little bit of a weirdo in this aspect I actually craved a lot of like fruits and vegetables and really fresh cold things like I ate so many like of those real fruit popsicles um, I ate so much chicken salad. I, so much fruit. Like I was so glad to be pregnant for the most part during summers because I was able to get lots of different fresh fruits and different things. And honestly, eating a lot of the stuff that I would have eaten, you know, when, it, you know, cause you think like with hormones, and all this other kind of stuff, I'm an emotional eater. So I know that when I'm emotional, like I tend to gravitate towards those things that are unhealthy, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a person who craves sort of the healthier things when I want to eat. Um, I have, I'm one of those people, I have morning sickness basically almost the entire pregnancy. So up until about 30 weeks, I'm just like mildly nauseated the entire time. Um, and it just sort of fluctuates as to the strength of the nausea and whether or not I want to eat. So it's, it's definitely an interesting thing for me.
0: Wow, how do you navigate morning sickness for that long? Because even when I hear that people morning sickness for you know twelve thirteen weeks, most of the time people don't know that you're pregnant during that time frame, but how do you like emotionally and physically navigate feeling
1: that way for that long? I won't lie. It's really, really difficult um and I think it's something that again, we don't talk about enough that you know pregnancy is so portrayed as this like, high, you know, happy, shiny, beautiful time, at least up until, you know, the last few weeks. And, you know, I never experienced that as much as I love my children, and I wouldn't change anything about them or how they got here. I have really, really miserable pregnancies. And um, it is really hard when you just sort of, you know, basically, I wake up like week six, and I'm just sick till about week thirty. And you know, you you have coping mechanisms, and you learn certain triggers, and you learn things that make it easier to deal with. Um, but the mental toll of just constantly feeling poorly and not like yourself um, it is it is very difficult to navigate. And um, I had some pretty significant perinatal anxiety and depression. Um, And, you know, I I think that definitely was a contributing factor for sure.
0: Yeah, that must just be so difficult, especially when people are expecting you to be joyful. They're like, enjoy this time. This is the best time of your life. And you're like, I feel like death and I'm not
1: loving it. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. It's it's very hard and it's frustrating because you know you have especially friends you know who just want to be supportive and if they haven't been pregnant yet and they're just trying to find out oh how exciting is this and you don't really have anything happy or exciting to say it can feel a little isolating because you know it's it's not something that people want to hear about you know but I think it's important for you to have outlets where you can talk about those things, where you can feel safe being negative about your pregnancy without feeling judgment. I think that's a really crucial part of, of pregnancy mental health for sure.
0: Did you find those outlets with your friends or did you see like some sort of counselor or any sort of support group?
1: I had a really hard time with it with my first Um, we were moving at the time we actually moved, uh, from South Carolina to North Carolina at the time. I was working from home full time. So I was already pretty isolated on that front. Um, and yeah, I really didn't have much of that outlet for, for my daughter, for my son. I was much more established here where we live now. So I had friends that I could talk to. I was more open with my family. And I really learned to rely on my husband um, a lot more. As somebody who has a really hard time sort of being vulnerable and letting others take care of me, it was a big thing for me during this last pregnancy to be okay with being a little more vocal and taking up a little more space with my feelings and, and just sort of, you know, it's one of those things where I think the more you fight the negative feelings, the longer you make them last. Mm -hmm. So I think when you give yourself the time and the space to process them in a healthy manner, it actually helps you get through them better. So that was one thing that I really learned was just, trying to let go of my guilt because you do you experience a lot of guilt when you are a miserable pregnant person because you don't ever want anyone to think that you don't love your baby or that you won't love your baby and then there's the little brain or the little voice inside your brain that says what if i don't love my baby what if i am unhappy when they get here because i was so miserable being pregnant and everything else and You know, I think if you just sort of let go of the guilt of those feelings, because it's absolutely 100% normal to feel those things, then, you know, you can work through them a little bit better and you can come out on the other side with a healthier perspective on it all.
0: Yeah. Can we jump to postpartum for a minute? I was just interviewing somebody and they worked really hard for their baby. They... I think it took her about three or four years to get pregnant and she suffered a couple losses and you know she felt like she had put in the time to get this baby and she was just so shocked with the postpartum because he was a colicky baby she just felt like I don't love this I I love this human but I don't like what's happening right now and it's like a shock to your system when you're expecting something to be so blissful and joyful and you've spent years trying to get there and then it's not what
1: you expected. Yeah. Postpartum is, gosh, I mean, even with as much as we're talking about it more now than we used to, it's still not enough. I had with my daughter, I had a very traumatic labor and I had some really serious medical complications a few days post birth. And um, I'm a person who struggled with anxiety and depression my whole life. So then adding postpartum hormones on top of that, adding, essentially being faced with my own mortality for the very first time on top of not sleeping, trying to breastfeed, having this tiny human be attached to you and need these things from you all the time. It's absolutely overwhelming, even though You love this tiny baby more than you could possibly even understand or fathom. It doesn't, it doesn't fix everything. And so I was struggling in those immediate months with extreme postpartum anxiety, post traumatic stress disorder. I was trying to breastfeed, not very successfully. I have massive oversupply and overactive letdown. And that was really difficult. I was again, isolated because I had been working from home. We had just moved. It was one of the darkest periods of my life. And the only reason I think why I got through it was because, you know, I really just relied on my husband as much as I could. I relied a lot on Netflix and happy, uplifting television to just sort of escape. And I think it was probably a full year after my daughter was born before I felt fully recovered mentally. Um, I think a big shift happened around six months. Um, I was able to sort of stretch my legs. I got my daughter into daycare so I could focus more on work and I got to feel a little bit more like my old self and like a person who, you know, got to go and be something more than just a mom. Um, which is really important for me. It's not something that everybody needs, but for me, it was really important. And I also relied very heavily on medication. Um, And I think, you know, there's such a stigma around mental health medication, but for me as somebody who, you know, I know that I would not be the person that I am today without that medication. It's, You know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And I'm so heartbroken for people who tried and had really bad reactions. But I think it's one of those things I tell people all the time. It's like birth control, where because it deals with things on a hormonal level, you may have to try a few different things and a few different doses or combinations before you find what works for you. So trying one and not feeling better or feeling worse doesn't mean that no medication is going to help you. It doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, without this extra help. And I know for me, it was, it was a significant game changer. Um, I'm not a person who's ever done great in therapy. I think the first successful therapy relationship I've had started this year. So that was difficult for me. But when I finally found a doctor who allowed me to advocate for myself, and who was well versed in uh, mental health issues and potential symptoms and interactions and everything else, um, it became really life altering for me. So much so that, you know, I was adamant that whatever I'd be put on was something that I could continue during my second pregnancy because I had gone cold turkey off of my meds for my first pregnancy and the drop in my mental health stability was significant.
0: Yeah, I think that's important to consider because I mean so many people require or benefit from some sort of pharmaceutical. And then the expectation generally is once you're pregnant to go off of it, which typically a cold turkey situation and like where does that leave the woman and where does that leave her mental health throughout Mm -hmm. pregnancy that is so life changing and altering in itself. I think that's a very good um, piece to bring up,
1: and it's important to bring that up. So, thank you. And I think it's important too. You know, the the sort of thought process behind medications while you're pregnant and while you're nursing is sort of the cost benefit analysis. Like, is the damage the potential for negative interactions for the baby? are those less than the potential benefits for the mother being stable, happy, well-rested, all of those things because you know while you're pregnant even just being depressed and anxious and all those things having that stress can create a negative environment for your baby as well so those things can can affect your child's development and if you aren't able to get up out of bed and be active and eat and take vitamins and do those things just for general self-care, those things affect your child as well. So I think it's important to remember that, you know, taking care of yourself both before and after you have a baby is as beneficial to your baby as it is to you. And so being able to, you know, find something that works for you, take it and and know that you're still doing actually what's best for everyone, um, is I think a, an important thing to remember. And there's some great resources out there where, because, you know, obviously pharmaceutical testing on pregnant women and nursing women has a whole lot of moral complications that come with it, but there is a great national resource where, um, you can actually call And if you were on a medication while you were pregnant or nursing, you can actually contribute your experiences. Um, And so that becomes part of the research rather than having to actually test on pregnant or nursing women, you can contribute your experiences and your information. Um, And so then it all gets added to that massive database and that's how we've been able to get more information and sort of classify the safety of certain medications through pregnancy and nursing, because women are contributing their stories.
0: Oh. oh Wow, I didn't know that. And I think, is this the same database where you can call and ask about a specific medication that you might be on or might be considering taking, and it'll tell you what classification it's in?
1: I think it is the same database, but I can check and let you know for sure.
0: That sounds really cool. If you could talk to yourself when you were, you know, just minutes or hours or days postpartum with your first, what, if anything, would you tell yourself or would you try and do differently or would you pull in some extra resources like a postpartum doula or family?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. You know, because I think when you look back, you wish so many things could be different. Um, and especially with her, you know, because I was dealing with so much stuff, you sort of feel like something's been taken from you, because you feel like, okay, I've been through the trauma of pregnancy and labor, and now I have this baby, and and I, I want it to be this happy, shiny, wonderful thing, and when you don't have that for whatever reason, you know, you sort of feel like you're you're missing out, like something's been taken from you, so it's, it's hard to say that anything, one or two things would have really drastically made that different for me. Mm-hmm. But I think what I would tell myself is give yourself grace. Be be really open with your doctor. Be really open with your family. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And just know that this little girl is going to absolutely turn your world upside down in the best way. She's going to teach you so much about love and laughter and creativity and imagination and everything that you're going through now will be worth it. I love that. I love that mantra
0: of everything you're going through now will be worth it. I think that's a good
1: one to keep. It's something that's gotten me through a lot in my life. Um, I don't know if you have heard of Glennon Doyle um, and her books, uh, Carry On Warrior and Love Warrior, but one of her favorite phrases is, we can do hard things. And I think sometimes when you're in the thick of something, it's really hard to look and say, I don't know when this is going to end. When am I going to just be able to get past this and move on? And I don't know how much longer I can do this and how am I going to get here? And I think it's just really important to remember that we can do hard things. I'm a person who firmly believes that God doesn't give you anything you can't handle. And so if you're going through something, it's because God knows that you can handle it. It might be really hard and it might be awful at the time, but you're going through it for a reason and you know it's it's something that even if it's never clear to you why and something that's going to make you a stronger better person even if it's just for you
0: yes I love that that's perfectly put I'd love to know what your favorite part about being pregnant was
1: the baby kicks
0: Everyone, baby kicks so are
1: so fun
0: every single person that's been their favorite thing
1: you know I think it's just it's just a really cool thing to feel that movement inside of you and I think for me I have a really hard time personifying my child until I feel those kicks because up until that point I'm just miserable and sick and everything's awful and then you know you get those first little kicks and you that's sort of your first like concrete reminder like okay this is all for a reason this is all for a purpose and so yeah the baby kicks are great and my daughter actually had hiccups in Euro like every day so that was really funny too feeling you know the difference it's just a cool thing and I think it's the one thing that mentally got me through a lot of the worst parts I actually had to have a root canal while I was pregnant with my son And of course, because I was pregnant, you know, they couldn't knock me out. They couldn't do any of these things, And I have horrible, like dental dentist issues. So I was terrified going in and I was six months pregnant and I'm just sitting there like in so much pain and freaking out, tears are streaming down my face and my son just starts going crazy in my belly. And like, for me, it was just kind of one of those things where it, felt like he knew that I was really stressed and really upset and he was just saying hey this is just a reminder it's not gonna last you're gonna get through it everything's gonna be fine and that was that was just a really nice thing for me to have
0: oh I love that it's like he was showing you I'm here don't worry I'm here
1: right exactly
0: can we go back to when you were talking about you know you lost your job right when you found out you're pregnant with your first child how did you navigate the job search and the job hunt? And did you say that you were pregnant or when did you say you were pregnant?
1: So I didn't tell people in like initial conversations or initial interviews um, because, you know, I just felt like it wasn't really relevant yet. I was very open with it when I got to, you know, more serious conversations with a potential employer, because for me, Um, it was really important to know where I was going to stand with um, maternity leave. So I was very open about it and was very particular about, you know, trying to find, you know, a company and a job that would allow me to have the time that I needed with my family.
0: Were you able to find one that allowed you to take a generous maternity leave or what did that look
1: like? So I actually had just started a job. I did take a job that was only going to give me six weeks and it was going to be short-term disability pay. So 60% of what you normally make, which was causing me a lot of stress. Um, I knew that I was not going to be ready to go back at six weeks. I knew I couldn't afford to lose almost half of my pay for that amount of time, but there wasn't really anything else at the time that was an opportunity for me. And so I started the job and, you know, was, you know, just trying to make the best of it. And then I actually was contacted by an old coworker of mine um, who offered me the job that I had when I Um, actually had my daughter where I was able to work from home full time I was able to negotiate for 12 weeks paid which was amazing Um, and so yeah I was able to have all the time that I you know at least expected um, to have with my daughter and that was really nice and in a similar vein I you know moved from that job to a different work from home job before I got pregnant with my son but knew I wanted to have a second child, and so negotiated for um, the same setup with this one as well.
0: Wow, that's awesome. I work in a school, and you would think that they would have better benefits considering so many women tend to work in schools and it's unionized, but when I do get pregnant one day, the maternity leave, we're guaranteed 12 weeks off with the FMLA, but none of it is covered financially. So it's like you get 12 weeks, but you're not going to get paid. And it's, you know, that's helpful that you get the time off, but if you're not getting paid, there's that constant like pressure. So that's great that you were able to get yours time off and it paid.
1: Yes. And I was extremely lucky. I'm extremely privileged to have been able to negotiate for those things. And it's, it's heartbreaking to me that, I mean, some women don't even have you know six weeks unpaid. some women literally you know because of the hours that they work or the number of employees or because they've been there less than a year, there's so many different factors that don't let you qualify for f m l a and you know some of these women literally have to get up and go back within you know just a couple of days of giving birth and it's an infuriating thing to me, and I know that those things are even more prevalent, you know, with communities of color, and lower income communities where, you know, there's just very little support and very little opportunity for them to do the resting and the healing that our bodies and our minds need. And it's it's something that I feel very strongly about. And I really hope that one day, very, very soon, we can make some significant changes on that front. You know, I think, when you look at other countries and, you know, they have year-long maternity leaves and they have postpartum care. And for the first, you know, six weeks in some countries, they even have a nurse who comes and helps you and and helps you learn how to nurse and supports you with, you know, midnight wake-ups and all these different things. And I think, you know, when you look at those things, we're told here that, you know, we don't have the money for them and we can't make it work. And we're one of the richest countries in the world. I, I just I find that really frustrating because I think it's one of those things where we absolutely have the money and we absolutely have the resources. We just have people in control who are unwilling to allocate those mon- that money and those resources for those things.
0: Yes, I know. I don't want to get too political on here, but I think that we do a lot of things backwards. And it absolutely horrifies me that we can't even adopt a dog that isn't with their mother for at least eight weeks. And yet we're sending women, human women, back to work at days or just a couple weeks
1: postpartum. Absolutely. It's really demoralizing. And I think, you know, that's one of the many reasons why a lot of women, you know, choose not to have children because they just, or choose not to have more than one because very, very little structure in place to support a postpartum woman. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really frustrating.
0: All right. I'm going to, this has been like such a heavy conversation and then I switch it to light and then, you know, it's been very uh, fluid. So thank you for bearing with me. Everything that you've said has been so important and it's conversations that we really need to have more of. So thank you.
1: Thank Um, you for letting me share them.
0: I do want to talk about weight gain. Can you share how much weight you gained? You don't have to tell me what your weight is, but just how much you gained while you were pregnant with each pregnancy. And then how much was lost, like within the first, let's say six or eight weeks postpartum?
1: Sure. So um, I'm a little bit of an anomaly because I, I'm so sick during the first, you know, six months of my pregnancy that I actually don't typically gain any weight. Um, Or if I do, it's, you know, it's no more than 10 pounds. Um, I don't typically gain my weight until the last like four to six weeks of pregnancy, you know, when especially you've got a lot of the fluid buildup and all the things are expanding and growing. And so, um, I think with both of mine, I gained total less than 20 pounds. And then by about a week postpartum, um i was back down to my my pre-pregnancy weight but only because i you know i didn't do anything other than give birth i think it was just because primarily everything that i gained was just from the actual you know baby and fluids and all that stuff
0: oh, okay were you pretty active during your pregnancies
1: physically i was not <laughs> um i you know i'm a plus size woman and so um uh i'm not unfortunately a terribly active person when i'm not pregnant but then of course add on top of that you know nausea and really low energy and um especially with my second trying to chase after a toddler there's not a whole lot of time for you know a lot of physical self-care so you know I tried to go on walks I tried to you know be active you know with my daughter when I was pregnant with my son but unfortunately a lot of my pregnancy was just sort of you know sitting at home trying to work or laying in bed trying to not throw up
0: (laughs) I mean I don't have children and I'm non-pregnant and I spend a lot of time on the couch so I hear you there I don't have any excuse. All right. If you could give any advice to anybody who's trying to conceive or just found out that they're pregnant, would you have anything to say to them? Yeah.
1: So for trying to conceive, I think it's hard for me to give advice because obviously I didn't, you know, as we've discussed, I didn't have any issues getting pregnant. But for those women who are trying to conceive, I just want to say, I see you and I'm hoping and praying for you. And, you know, I hope that, you know, you have an amazing pregnancy if you get there. And if not, then I hope that you still find so much joy in everything else that your life will bring. And for women who just found out that you're pregnant, congratulations. It's an amazing, wonderful, awful, terrible, scary, exciting, awesome time. (laughs) And it's okay to have 17 different feelings all the time. It's okay to feel terrible and excited and happy all at once. It's okay to be sad and then be scared and then be angry and then be happy all within an hour's time. And I think just give yourself so much grace, let yourself feel all the things you're gonna feel and then just know that one day, whether it's the day they're born or whether it's 12 weeks later or six months later, whatever, You will look at that child and you will know that everything that you went through was worth it.
0: I love that so, so much. All right. Thank you so much for coming on here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was really fun.
0: All right. Thank you all for listening. If you feel called to do so, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform you're listening on. And if you yourself would like to come on the podcast, just email me at trying to conceive podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram on trying to conceive podcast. Are also encouraged to follow that page. Right now, I think I have four followers and pretty sure two of them are robots. So, head on over there if you'd like to support the page and i also have a facebook group called trying to conceive podcast again very very small numbers there might be one person if that in the group so i'm just trying to build a community for us to all share and talk and this can be fluid whichever one you guys feel is more appropriate is the one that we'll go with all right and i hope you guys all have a great week bye